Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of the Mom Hour. Mm-hmm. I'm Megan Francis, here as always with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. So we are talking, we are actually doing our second uh, session, I guess, of a show about free-range parenting and giving kids independence. Um, we talked about this last week in episode 12, which you can go find at themomhour.com if you didn't hear that one yet. Um, but as usual, we had a lot to say, and we knew mm-hmm. we were going to run it out of time on this particular topic, so we decided to break it into two episodes. We know so, ourselves too well. I know. Well, it's becoming evident. We're 13 episodes in, and it's becoming evident what our talking patterns are yeah. and lengthy. Yes. <laughs> Rambly. Abundant. Abundant. <laughs> Abundant. We Ample. have a lot to say, and we especially have a lot to say on this topic because we have kids of all different ages, and we've had a lot of experiences, and we have our own childhoods to look back to, yep. et cetera. Um, in lieu of doing a, a sponsor this week, we're actually going to talk about some cool things that we're into at the moment. I'm going to let Sarah go first and kind of introduce this irregular segment, as yes. we call it. Go Our ahead, highly Sarah. irregular segment. <laughs> yeah, so this is where we just kind of pick something, a product, a website, something that's been making us happy lately or making our lives easier as moms. And we've done it in a few episodes. It's kind of fun. I love to share things I discover. So um, th- mine is a website called rover.com. This could be something that everyone's like, yeah, Sarah, you didn't know about rover.com. But uh, I don't think so because I've talked to a few people. So rover.com is a matchmaking site for people who need dog sitters is the best way to describe it. But what I love about it is, um, it's, first of all, it's very legit. It doesn't feel a little sketchy, like putting a, I need a dog sitter ad on Craigslist. It's, um, everybody on there. So, so people who want to be dog sitters can create a profile on there. And a lot of times it's maybe like a retired couple who travels and they don't want a full-time dog, but they love animals or it's a family who has one dog, but they've got space for a couple more and they love dogs. So, um, 
so people can go on there and create a profile and they'll put pictures of their house and the park that they walk to and um, people who've used them can leave reviews. So it's just really transparent. Um, and they'll say what kind of dogs um, or pets they can watch, how, you know, big dogs, small dogs and all the specifications. And then if you need a dog sitter, which that's the position I was in, um, you can search and find people in your area that kind of meet your needs and then correspond with them through the message system. And it's just a really well-designed, user-friendly, feels very safe. It's not like you're meeting anonymous people who's going to take care right. of your dog. But from a cost savings perspective, um, if you board your dog, they're usually in a kennel or they're at your vet or they're at a, you know, a pet hotel type place. And it can be very expensive yeah. and they're not always given like the life that they have at home. So I won't say that this is, um, a huge cost savings, but for the, it's about the same. Um, these, the ones I was looking at and I'm in Southern California, which it seems like everything's inflated. So I'm sure it differs, but the costs were like 35 to $40 a night, but that's for living with a family where the dogs are playing and going for walks all the right. time. Whereas I feel like that's not that different from boarding where they're in a kennel all day or having someone, if you're, if you're having someone come feed and walk your dog, it might be 10 or 15 bucks a day. But then again, the dog's alone most of the time. Yeah. So I was like completely blown away by the website and the friends who had used it and recommended it said they really built a relationship with this one older couple who took their dog anytime they traveled for years. And they, I mean, they didn't really even need to search for more people. They just found that. So I thought it was a great idea. I think it's been around a while. It was just new to me. And with summer travel and everyone needing pet sitting arrangements, I think it's a very cool concept. And I was really impressed with the website. So, so it's, it's like Rover in, in home daycare for doggies. Yeah. And I, I like think that. you can't, you can say, um, like, I'd want you to come to my house. And so you can specify that. And there are pet sitters who will do that. But most of the ones I was looking at were people who you could bring your dog to them and your dog would live with them for a week or whatever. Awesome. So cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So mine. Fits kind of nicely, although I didn't even really realize this until I started thinking about it. Fits kind of nicely with our topic this week. So um, if you're familiar, Sarah, are you familiar with the author Shirley Jackson? She wrote The Lottery. So. I don't think so. So do you remember the story about the lottery? It's like a short story that everyone had to read in high school where there's like this small town where there's never any violence and... Um, and then you find out, and no crime, and then you find out it's because, like, once a year they pick someone and stone them to death? No. I, I miss <laughs> this one. Okay. So she's a horror writer. Okay. Okay. She writes horror, and I'm sorry that I just spoiled that story, no, but it's, like, okay. 60 years old, and anybody who hasn't already read it, you know, sorry. Um, she also wrote a lot. She wrote, uh, like, The Haunting of on Hill, wait, the, Haunt, the Haunting of Hill House, and a few other, like, really classic okay. horror stories. Okay. But she also wrote memoirs about her life as a mom, um, and she had four kids, and she was raising, raising them in the, I want to say 40s and 50s, okay. maybe late 40s um, and 50s, and they lived in this big old farmhouse in Vermont someplace, and her and her husband both worked from home as writers, and so... Um, she wrote, so one of them was called life among the savages and I can't remember what the other one is called, but anyway, people have been telling me for years, I need to read these books like okay. for years, but I could never find them. And then one day my sister just sort of sent me this random email and said, I want you to read these books. They were just reissued. Um, and then she told me and I got so excited. So I went right to my Kindle and yes, they were available on Amazon. So I downloaded them right away. And I read Life Among the Savages, and it is so just so charming. If you like vintage, I love. If you love reading vintage. about vintage home life and family yes. life, you would love these books because the mom is kind of 
she's a little bit batty, you know, and like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's so realistic to the way she talks about kind of the way she makes decisions and having all these kids around, but it's also very kind of retro mm-hmm. and like the kids just kind of do whatever, you know, the kids are <laughs> yeah. like walking themselves to school. They're, they seem very adult and I'm sure it's partly fictionalized. Um, you know, some of the, like the, the dialogue seems a little unrealistic to me, but it's just like these kids, the way these kids experience life at young ages, I would be reading the book and I would think that the kid was like 12 and then find out she's talking about a seven-year-old because it's just so different <laughs> right. the way they were parented. And, right. um, it's really, really, so it's called life among the savages by Shirley Jackson. It is available on Kindle presently. We will link to it in the show notes at the mom I just think, and it was a really easy read too. Like, Oh, it that's me very a cool. I want to read it. Yeah, you, you'd love it. Is and it completely autobiographical? I mean, you said it's a memoir, so it really is. It's a is. memoir. I think that it might be a little, I think there's a lot of poetic license taken. Right. But yeah, those are her real children, you know, her it. real life and their real house. And it's really cute and just clever. I can't wait to read the next one. So. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Yes, we will link to that. So both of these picks will be at themomhour.com. We're in episode 13 and we'll link to them so you can check them out. Awesome. Cool. So should we uh, dive back into part two of free range parenting? So don't worry if you haven't listened to episode 12. Um, We're kind of meandering all over this topic. Um, (laughs) So there was no sequence. It's not, it's it's not not sequential, sequential. (laughs) Um, but do go back. And I think we touched on some good things and we're going to continue today. So um, I think one of the things we'll focus on today is practically speaking, how to give our kids the tools they need to have more independence and to let them roam a little farther, so to speak, if that's our goal. Yeah. Um, should we start with stranger danger? That's something yeah. that seems to always come up. And I think parents are, everybody knows it's important, but it's sometimes just given like glossed over at school and, you know, given lip service. And do we really know what to say to our kids? Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I think that stranger danger as a kid growing up in the eighties, uh, it was a catchphrase that became almost meaningless because Mm -hmm. it was like, you were just told to be afraid of strangers. Basically. You know, I remember there was always the story about the white van with no Mm -hmm. windows, which I Mm -hmm. think is just like a thing now in every age at every stage. Kids are always, there's always that one van that everyone thinks is like where the bad strangers or kidnappers Mm -hmm. are. Um, and it's funny to me how those things persist, like those stories and those, those kind of tales um, from childhood. But what did I actually learn? Well, nothing. I mean, I was told not to like follow. I do remember very specifically, don't take candy from a stranger. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember that too. Okay. I don't really, to this day, I'm not exactly sure what that was supposed to mean unless don't get into their scary white van to take the candy. That's really sound advice. Um, Don't help them find their lost pet was another right. one. Yes. I think you um, still hear that one. Yeah. yeah. It's just, there was a lot of those, like, you know, if have a code word with your parents so that if a stranger tries to give you a ride, you can, um, you can ask if they know the word and right. they can tell you. So different now, right? With cell phones and well, stuff. Well, right. It would just never, it would never happen. Have a stranger I mean, be like, your mom told me to pick you up. Right. I know. I know. But it's that's just, just what I remember too about being yeah. told. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. 
So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as forever chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Well, and now there's so many kind of, first of all, kids just, I mean, let's be honest, kids just aren't kind of walking down the street by themselves the same way that they used to be in packs where you could just be some creeper and start picking them off because right. and <laughs> not saying that ever happened, but like that was the paranoia, right? That there would just be a car like trying to decide who they were going to start, you know, right. going after. And it'd be the one who didn't ask for the code word. I just don't think things like the world is set up differently. Now kids might be at a practice, you know, right. and then they wait for their parents to come pick them up, but they're just, it's just a really, it's a very different world. So it's kind of quaint almost to think about that, but I kind of hate the phrase stranger danger. Because I, I feel like it gives it the impression that strangers are scary when really strangers are just people that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, statistically, again, very unlikely to harm you. And I think for me, what I kind of thought about, what, what became, when I started to have to kind of talk to my kids about people they didn't know, mm-hmm. it became what was the, what would be the person that would want to be doing them harm? And to me, that would be the person that would seek them out mm-hmm. and try to initiate a conversation or try to initiate some kind of contact with them mm-hmm. when they were in a place where they weren't supervised. Mm-hmm. But strangers in that situation can also be very good because right. you might need a stranger to help right. you out. Right. If this other stranger is giving you a bad feeling. So right. I remember the reading the book, um, I think it's called protecting the gift by Gavin DeBecker. 
Okay. He's written a few and he kind of really went into this feeling like trusting your own instincts about things, not being afraid to say no to people who are creeping you out. And I think that that's something we teach kids to be nice Mm -hmm. and we teach them to be polite and to, you know, accommodate and, uh, strangers or not. I mean, let's be honest here. You're a lot more likely to be harmed by someone, you know, right. Than a stranger. Right. So I think that that kind of advice really goes, and I, I know I'm kind of rambling because I can't exactly remember what, how he taught, right. Suggested to do that, but teaching kids to listen to themselves and mm-hmm. trust their own instincts is really mm-hmm. important. Um, I don't know. Do you have like a more sort of, yeah, no, I'm, I'm nodding and agreeing with all of this. And just a couple of thoughts that come up. There's a writer that I follow who writes a lot about, she actually writes more about, um, gender and media and the way girls and boys are portrayed. And so she has a different platform, but related to that is giving our kids the agency to, you know, be independent and to listen to themselves. And she has talked about, I I just remember her articles about this and she taught her kids to just kind of listen to their tummy voice is what she called it with little kids that there are, there are situations where something just doesn't feel right. And as adults, we develop that pretty well. We can always, you can always like misread a situation, but I think we develop that and, and honing that in our kids when something just feels off to them, they probably have better instincts than we think. Um, and that it's not as black and white as a stranger or a not stranger. I think you're so right that, um, empowering them to say no to a situation that they feel uncomfortable in or to seek help from someone they trust in a situation they don't feel comfortable in is a way is a way more applicable skill set than just don't talk to strangers because like you said strangers can be friendly people you know can sometimes act in ways that aren't appropriate so right um i guess that's one um i'll i'll find one of uh, uh, melissa atkins wardy and her blog is pigtail pals um but she has written about this and i'll find a good post of hers about this because i think she had some great language to use with young kids um and then number two um giving you know giving them those skills to to assert themselves and not just blindly being respectful to all adults if something yes. doesn't feel right. Um, one of the things, my kids hang out in the front yard a lot and I'm with them. I never let the two and a half year old out there by herself. But with the other two, they'll be in the garage or in the driveway and I'll be just on the other side. And we have a really friendly neighborhood and my oldest is very friendly and talks to adults like she's an adult. And so one of the things we've talked about is that it's not that you can't talk to strangers because we are friendly to our neighbors and most of the people walking by are people in our community. So one of the ways I helped her understand that is we talked about the things that are normal to say, hello, how are you? Have a nice day. I like your dog. Um, If somebody starts asking you questions about where you live, if somebody starts making comments about the way you look, if somebody asks where your mom is, if it goes beyond the hi, how are you? Have a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, then you need to come get mom. It's not like you need to call 911, but then right. if the conversation goes past that point, then it's to the point where an adult should be there. And, I, and I've explained, that doesn't mean that the person is bad necessarily, but adults shouldn't be asking children personal questions without another adult there. That's, a pretty, that's, that's pretty true no matter what, even if it's right. just kind of a clueless adult. Um, so I think that's, that was one way I was able to say you can be friendly um, you can't give personal information. You can't, um, people, adults shouldn't be asking you questions beyond the pleasantries of walking by on the street. So I don't know yeah. if that kind of, no, I like that's a, that that's thing. a really practical way of looking at it. And that's also something that you can take to any situation. Right. Um, and what I really like is it's okay to not do what an adult asks you. And I yes. think that that's something oh, yeah. that gets lost. 
uh, gets lost along the way, especially when, you know, for like nice, I was a really nice little girl. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted, I, I wanted people to like me. I wanted Mm -hmm. authority figures to see Mm -hmm. me as compliant. I mean, Mm -hmm. those are all things that aren't necessarily bad, but you have to then also be willing to, um, you have to be really willing to tell your kids. And sometimes I think that that starts with, you know, having agency over themselves in a situation with people they do know. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's something yeah. like we've talked about. Um, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but like the requiring kids to hug and kiss people right. they I don't, don't know or you, don't want to. I don't think you and I have discussed it, but I'm yeah. pretty sure we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, they, it starts with your, it all expands outward and everybody knows the people in their little circle when they're little tiny and they know their family <laughs> and they know their extended family and their good friends. And it's just as important for them to learn that they have some autonomy over themselves mm-hmm. if that group as it is with strangers, because yes. otherwise, how can they decide? How can they tell the difference? They're too little. Yes. They don't and know. And it's great practice because you're around yeah. those people way more than you're around strangers. Right. So to be able to, yeah, we have a couple of phrases in our house. So we always say you're in charge of your own body, which they, they will then use. Like I'll say, you know, I need you to go get your pajamas on. And they'll say, yeah. no, I'm in charge uh, yeah, of my own body. I, we, Clara, unfortunately, yeah. has taken that and run with it. But <laughs> right. But it is a good one. And it goes as young as, you know, diaper clad toddlers that if, and then the other one we have is the magic word is not please. The magic word is stop. So my kids wrestle like crazy right now. And I'm sure you have wrestly boys, but when they hear stop, even if it's consensual wrestling and consensual roughhousing, if you hear stop, you stop right away. And they know that they can say stop and someone will stop right away. And even when they have friends over, I will hear them saying that. Like he said, stop, you need to stop right away. You don't have to say please. And I've said that, like, you don't have to say, will you please stop pulling my hair? If you say stop and someone is doing something to you that you don't like, you say stop and they need to stop. And otherwise we won't, we need to stop the roughhousing. So those are a couple of ways. And again, I think they practice, those are skills then they practice in the home all the time. And it then becomes a little easier to have those conversations to broaden those when they're ready to bigger, scarier conversations, you know, that probably won't happen, but they need to be prepared for yeah, I I think I think that the the takeaway for me for this is that it's not strangers that are the problem because most people are right. strangers and most people are not going to harm you. Um, it's the way that you feel that you have to like kowtow or I guess submit to other people because most people and and we can see this when you talk when you read about the way molesters work and the way you know people who want to harm other people work. They go for people who they can groom mm-hmm. and they go for people. It's not like, it's usually not a situation where someone is snatched randomly. It's usually right. a situation where someone seems weak, like they right. don't know where they are or they right. don't have confidence right? and then are often groomed in the, uh, in the like case of the dog, you know, right. come help me right. find my dog. Like, let's ask you some inappropriate questions. Right. And I think that's where the breakdown is. It could be a stranger or it could be someone that, you know, it's, it's, it's not the stranger. And that's why I've kind of refused I have refused to like even use the word stranger as any kind of pejorative in my household. Right. I just think it's incorrect and it's misleading. Right. And so, yeah, they hear it at school, I feel like, is when it's come back to me. Oh, yeah. And then I've had Absolutely. to sort of redirect that conversation. Um, one more quick thing to say on that topic, and then we can shift gears. But um, anytime, I mean, I feel like we always do another good way to get your kids in practice for those kinds of situations is when you are going to like, you know, the fair, as we know that I don't like to go from that, from the <laughs> we hate fun. Fun episode. If you're going to one of those places that I hate, where there's a lot of people and a lot of fun going on, um, 
you can always have like a quick powwow. Like, remind me, what would you do if we always do it in the car on the way there? What would you do if you got lost? What would you do if somebody came and asked yeah. you a question? And so those are, and again, some of this keeps coming back to stretching yourself and giving them a little bit more independence then kind of forces you to have those conversations. So it's a push pull. That's a good, that's a good thing. And, you know, preparing them for those situations, not in a scary way, but right. um, yeah. to have those conversations over and over again. Yeah. And um, I think that's another way to just practice in relatively safe scenarios. Yeah. Like if it's the fair, there's usually a building where right. there is someone who will help them and go over the loudspeaker. If they're at a parade, you can stop in and talk to a shopkeeper. That's right. a stranger right. who is in a position to help you. Right. Um, or a police officer. Say look for another mom. Look you know, another a mom. mom. Yeah. A mom with yeah. kids will help you find your mom. Yeah. Um, I've tried to help them know my phone number. My oldest knows it. Yeah. My five-year-old refuses to learn. <laughs> Sharpie and, it on and their we, arm. And we have to, to do that is also can be a little, um, I don't know, just kind of scary too, because sometimes it's like, well, that's admitting that this kid could get separated from me. Yeah. And what would that mean about me, you know, as a parent? But it, it happens because we cannot be, it is impossible to be completely fixated eyes on your kids at all moments of all, you know, every day, no matter what situation you're in. I mean, I guess unless you never like go to the bathroom or eat or blink right. or, you know, scratch or whatever. So right. Just being prepared for that possibility, it doesn't mm -hmm. mean you're going to lose your kid. It just means mm -hmm. you're kind of being proactive and thinking ahead and giving them tools that they might need. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So um, we thought we'd, this is kind of a fun question that we thought we'd each answer and maybe help listeners out there who struggle with this. But I wanted to know, Megan, what are, what are some ways that you find yourself naturally free range, not too worried about things, and then maybe a way or two where you just feel more helicoptery despite yeah. your best intentions. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was never, um, I was not a physically daring child, um, at all. Me neither. And I hung out with really physically daring kids, which I think was actually really good for me. Um, in the, I'm, I mean, I survived and that's, that part's good, but like I had kids, you know, I had truly feral children that I played <laughs> with. And, you know, at one point I, I was like eight years old and my friend, made me, and I say made me because she was very tough and I was terrified of her, um, drive a snowmobile so she could go tubing behind it. And I ran over a sapling. Um, that was scary. And so just some other things like yeah. that that happened. We went swimming in places where now I look back and I'm like, I cannot believe her parents let us do that. So I'm not recommending that you just, you know, don't check into this kind of thing with your kids. I'm just saying, I think that there was something good about me being pushed in that way. Cause otherwise mm -hmm. I could have been a really timid little kid. Um, Interestingly, though, I'm not really afraid of my kids hurting themselves physically. That's mm. not something, um, especially when it comes to things like climbing trees, playing right. on playground equipment. There's always going to be that tall slide that gives, right. makes me sick to my stomach and I don't want anyone going on it. You know, like the old one they really yeah. should rip down yeah. a long time ago. That stuff doesn't really scare me as much. The two things I talked about a little bit on episode 12, um, busy streets uh -huh. freak me out. Um Although I'm getting, you know, I'm starting to figure out that those are a reality in the world and they also need to be something that you train your kids and, and help them learn how to right. handle because they right. are a reality. And the water freaks me out. I live by Lake Michigan, which is basically an ocean. Yeah. Might as well be. And it's a scary thing. It kills people every year. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, there's a reason I don't take that. I haven't traditionally taken my kids to the beach that much because mm -hmm. it, 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 I'm just an anxious mess the whole time. It's no fun. It's getting yeah. better now. You know, now that 
most of them are older and Clara, right. they all can swim and Clara's pretty cautious. So she doesn't really go out too far and right. you know, it's, but when they were like all little and toddlers and I would see these parents at the beach with all these little kids and I just, I didn't understand how they could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. They were also typically in the water with them, which right. sorry, Lake Michigan's also very cold. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the third is going into people's houses. And so that's something that I've been pretty clear about. Um, like the kids can go play in someone's yard. Mm-hmm. Even a kid that they know from school, if I don't know the parents, they're free to play in the in the yard. But I don't want them going into anyone's houses until I've had a chance to like kind of get in there and see what mm-hmm. the people are about. And mm-hmm. I will admit that people can surprise you. And I think sometimes that can be a little bit of a false sense of security. You know, like you you meet the parents a few times, you kind of see inside their house and it mm-hmm. doesn't look like they live in squalor and you think everything is great here. And that doesn't necessarily mean that's true. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes that's something that, you know, you probably haven't encountered that too much yet, Sarah, just because you're- No, but I'm glad you brought age. it up because that yeah. is one of the ones I was going to say as something I just don't feel ready for how to handle is- yeah. is even well, I'm gonna let you finish, and then yeah, we're gonna okay. talk more about it from my perspective. But well, we've had examples where like I've met parents and thought they seemed like nice people, and I've poked my head in the house and it looked fine, and and I've let my kids hang out with their kids, and what I will say is, I think some of that just is gonna happen. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you're just gonna have to like take a deep breath, and let your kids go into a situation you don't fully know because you don't fully mm-hmm. know until you've hung out with someone for a long time, what's really going on in their house. Mm-hmm. And sometimes maybe even not them. I mean, you never really know what a family's life is like behind closed doors mm-hmm. um, when you're not there. And so sometimes you, you do, I think have to kind of just take a deep breath and let it happen. Mm-hmm. But then I think you need to pay attention to what your kids are saying. Mm-hmm. And I've had examples where my kids have gone to people's houses who seemed nice enough and, I mean, who am I to judge? You know, it's like stuff like that. Right. That brings, triggers all right. those feelings in me too. Like, well, who am I right. to judge somebody right. because blah, I'm being blah, blah. paranoid. Yeah. But the kids will come home and they'll say things. And if you just listen to them talk, right? they will, if there's something worrisome in the house, like you'll find out because you can kind of hear if there's no supervision going mm-hmm. on and the kids are, you know, playing whatever video games that they want mm-hmm. or getting on the computer mm-hmm. and, and searching mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sexy ladies, which by the way, that did happen. Oh, <laughs> Which I actually think is hilarious <laughs> that like these little boys all got on the computer and the I only like thing they could, the, the only term. thing they could think right. to Google was sexy ladies. Um, it's kind of sweet, but, but not something I want them, right? you know, not something I want them going down. Um, when my kids have said, I just don't want to go there anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. those are all things. And sometimes, and sometimes again with the hive mind and again with the pressure, you start getting the invitations from the other parents and it's hard to say no. It's well, hard. I was going to ask you, yeah. I mean, kind of how to handle that. I mean, I think sometimes you just have to do the nice blow off for yeah. a while until they get the picture. And that's yeah. hard. You know, it's, it doesn't make you feel good and it, you want to be nice and you, yeah. want, you don't want the other parent to think that you don't like them or whatever. Mm-hmm. But sometimes your kids are telling you, if you listen, they're telling you mm-hmm. what's going on in another mm-hmm. house. And so yeah. what I've done is started it off very small. Like, yeah, sure. You can go play in that other kid's house. Um, I want you home in 45 minutes, uh-huh. you know, and then see how that goes. And then, and, and obviously you want it to be age appropriate enough where they can come home and tell you if something is awry. So like right. I started doing this around seven or eight, mm-hmm. um, play in the yard for a while first, then they can go in for a little while, have the kid over and just see, pay attention mm-hmm. to what the kid is like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not saying like you should judge the parenting or what's going on in the house based on the kid's behavior, but sometimes there's a way of, there's a way that kids interact with adults that I think mm-hmm. sometimes tells mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. what's happening. Yeah. In their house. So it's, and listen to your gut. I mean, again, mm-hmm. sometimes something is just off. Yep. 
and you don't know what it is and you don't have to know. It's not, it's not your responsibility to know. You're just, no, it's okay that, and my thing then is always, um, that little boy can come over here. Yeah. And then I just watch carefully. Right. Right. (laughs) So it's not a perfect science. Again, I think we do ourselves a disservice if we think we can set the world up in a way that our kids never experience anything bad. Right. Um, and never get hurt and never, you know, encounter risk. I just, that's life. And they need to learn how to deal with that. Um, but I think sometimes they they do tell us when things are really off and, and it'll happen in the nicest neighborhoods. There are people right, right now in your neighborhood who crazy stuff is going on inside their house. Right. It's just a reality. And you don't right. always know who those people are. Yeah. So yeah. No, anyway, what, right. what are your and thoughts about I, all No, that? I love kind of where this conversation went because we started off being, you know, talking about being free range and letting our kids go. But I think what's important is that you define what that means for yourself. Right. And if you're feeling, there's two different things, feeling paranoid or feeling like you're being peer pressured into, you know, a very protective place is one thing. But what you're talking about is kind of assessing the situation and sticking with your values. If right. that means being more protective or more, in this case, you know, more watchful than other families or than you, you know, than you are with other areas of life, that's okay. That doesn't mean you're not free range or that you're, you know, paranoid, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, to me, that is like the definition of it. It's right. if you look at situation and you think, oh, I can't let my kid do this because what would so-and-so think? Again, mm-hmm. to me, that is the wrong reason to do anything. Mm-hmm. But if you look and you think, what do I think? You know, how does this feel to me? Again, it's listening to your own gut and not wanting to always be the nice person. Mm-hmm. Um, that book that I was talking about, the Gavin DeBecker book, it was one was called Protecting the Gift. And I think the other one was called The Gift of Fear. And there's there's a sequence. Okay. I can't remember which one comes first. Probably The Gift of Fear. But it was all, again, about, about those instincts. And Sarah, you mentioned earlier, you know, that as adults, we get good at kind of recognizing those. Mm-hmm. I think we get good at recognizing them, but I think we also get good at suppressing them. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and one of the examples he gave was especially women are so conditioned to not want to seem rude mm-hmm. or, you know, bitchy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we smile at men we shouldn't smile at because they mm-hmm. look, they give us the creeps. I mean, mm-hmm. or whatever the situation is. We mm-hmm. put ourselves in situations that aren't safe because we don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. Some random person we don't even know. And it doesn't, you know what I mean? It's just, it's not smart and we do mm-hmm. it anyway. Um, and I think kids can pick up on that too. If we don't Mm -hmm. advocate for ourselves and we don't advocate for them. So anyway, I know that's kind of like, it's kind of like circular, but it all, to me, it all fits together. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know, what's good to go. My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. 
Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Um, all right. Well, okay. So I have a couple of things I'm maybe good at, not good at yeah. with this. Um, one of the things that I think I don't have a problem with that other parents seem to, and this is like maybe just a peripheral topic when it comes to being free range, but that is free play and letting my oh, kids yeah. play on their own without my involvement, letting them get bored, letting them problem solve, and also letting them make a mess. Now, this isn't free range in the same way that we're talking about with safety issues, but I do think it all comes together when you talk about being resourceful and being problem solvers, because that's where the two do come back together because you want them to be resourceful. You want them to be problem solvers and you want them to be able to function without adults helping them all the time. Um, so I feel like, and my kids are younger, so I haven't encountered as many of the more like truly independent drop you right. off at the playground by yourself. But I do think I'm really good at letting them come up with their own play. You know, my kids don't really watch TV during the week on the weekends we do, but they don't really have like, we don't do a lot of structured activities at all. So we are in, when we're home, we're free range in that I don't direct their play very much and they have gotten really good at getting stuff to do and inventing things. And it makes a huge freaking mess. And I'm actually, I, I've t I know a lot of moms who kind of want to be that way, but they cannot stand the mess. Like they cannot, it just is like too hard to have the living room turned into a couch fort or the, you know, right now in my backyard, the kids picnic table has flour and water that they've mm. been like cooking with for like three days. And it's congealed into it's like so disgusting. I keep reminding them like, you're really not eating this. Like, you know, this isn't really pancake batter, right? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know. And they keep adding to it. And I, the mess just eventually, of course, I reach a point where we're like, okay, we got to clean this up, you know, but I, it's not like a trigger for me. So I think that's sort of like baby steps into free range. If yeah. you're willing to let your kids play the way they want to play and push their own boundaries um, and learn to get along with each other if it is a sibling matchup. Now, I will say I'm not always, when it comes to the fighting, <laughs> I'm not completely hands off there. I think it's just my, I, it's, I think I have a hard time because I, I don't like hearing the fighting, but I also think that they're young enough that sometimes I do need to step in and help them work something out. So I'm not completely hands off in that regard. But in terms of choosing their play, 
I am pretty hands off and I, and it has kind of paid off because I can get a lot done when we're just at home playing. They don't need me and they don't need, you know, set up activities. So yeah. I don't know if that counts as free range, but I kind I of think feel it like it does. Um, I, I want to interject really quickly here. Mm-hmm. See what I think that you're really good at though, is it in, is that you've set up an environment where whatever messes that kids create are ones that you personally can handle that don't personally trigger you. For example, I happen to know you don't have glitter in your house. I don't. So when you say free, you know, when yeah. you say you let the kids get into whatever they want and make a mess, you've purposely limited the things they can yeah. have access to just so yeah. that you don't have to deal with things that would make you really crazy. That's true. That's true. And I think with the case of like, outdoor, I think outdoors are great for that because, you know, let's be honest, eventually, eventually that will decompose mm-hmm. or it'll yeah. rain. Yeah. I mean, it's going to go away one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and with like the couch fort, that's something that like, I just won't, if my kids are doing that, that makes me crazy. Like, I don't like throw, I've written about this before. I don't yeah. like throw pillows on the ground. I don't like throw blankets on the ground, but I'll just stay out of the living room for a while. Right. And the rule is at some point I'm going to holler, put it all back. Right. Right. And when I come back in, at least it needs to somewhat be put back yeah. together. Yeah. And the kids know that. So I think yeah. that we can set our lives up in such a way that we can let the kids kind of go crazy with what's available to them while not making things available to them that would trigger us too right. much. Right. Just an aside. Yes. No, I think that's, I think that's true. Um, the other thing I think that I'm pretty good at that is more, more in line with what we've been talking about is, um, letting my, dropping my kids off, especially with schools and, you know, whatever those kinds of supervised places and not needing to stay or needing updates, um, or needing to, you know, talk to the teacher about how they did. I'm pretty good at once I trust a school or a system Mm -hmm. and it goes back to the story I told in episode 12 about our school drop off and school pickup. Um, if I trust the system and the school and the supervision, I really, I trust my kids and my kids are, they've, of course, were clingy as toddlers and that's an age where they don't want you to leave. But, um, I, I haven't needed to like check up on or feel like I need to be in the know about those kinds of supervised situations. And that includes, you know, a, a play date or a friend's house where I do really trust the the family where I'm yeah. not so good is what you were talking about, which is getting to this age now where there are more play dates of families that you only know a little bit, um, or where they're going inside at neighborhood houses. And even if I know and trust the parents, I, I still feel a little bit paranoid about the kind of kid on kid language and action. I just feel like kids are all over the map in how they treat each other, the kind of language they use, the kind of stuff they're exposed to. So even if I actually really like the parents, if it's not, if they're not directly supervised, which at this age is they're not all the time, I, that's like where my kind of helicopteriness kicks in, even in my own house. Like even when kids come over and I'm like, ah, I want to get in there and tell them not to talk like that. You know? So I don't know. That's kind of, I guess where I'm not so good. I, I think that I would have been that way a lot more when it was like when my oldest were little. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I've found over the years is that they're going to encounter that anyway on the Definitely. playground. Definitely. They're going to encounter it at sports. They're going to encounter it in life. And my kids have hung out with some tough kids. Mm-hmm. My kids have close family members who are allowed to swear. I mean, mm-hmm. and say things that my kids aren't allowed to. And they all know their personal limits. It's really inner, and and I will also say that my kids are allowed to do things that they're, you know, they have cousins who aren't, they're not allowed to do, mm-hmm. and it's really fun to watch the way they draw the lines, and they'll be, they'll even say sometimes um, before a certain com- cousin comes over, they'll be like, oh guys, let's shut that game off. Uh, Jack's not allowed to play that. Okay. And so they're really good yeah. at self policing that. Yeah. Or like Clara's come to me before and been like, 
you know, I heard this word this week and I know that I'm not allowed to say it, but can I just say it once? I'm like, I'd really oh. rather you didn't, Clara. Can we wait till you're 10? <laughs> She'll be like, okay. But she know. I mean, they know. They know yeah. that the world has things in it that aren't for them right now mm-hmm. and that they're not allowed to do and that our house rules are different. And that's, it's fine. I mean, really, there's always going to be that kid that tests the limits and wants to do it anyway. And that right. kid's going to do it anyway. And they're going right. to hear it anyway. And you don't even always know where it came from. Like right. you'll, you'll be like, what? Right. Where did that come from? Right. And then sometimes you're at someone's houses and their kids are allowed to do something and you're like, whoa, you know, and you have to kind of suppress that judginess for a second yeah. because you know darn well that yeah. they're thinking something similar about yeah. something that your kids can do. And yeah. it's just part of, I think it's part of yeah. being in the world, yeah. honestly. And, you know, there's certain lines I won't cross and there's certain things that I want my kids exposed to, like absolutely no. Um, right. But I've really learned to let the rest go because I've mm-hmm. seen that it doesn't ruin them. Yeah. And you're, you're secure in kind of the values and the rules that you've set within your house, that they're right. going to come back to that and know that that's where they came from. Not that they're never going to screw up, right. but that, you know, they know what the rules are at their house. And I'm also, I've also realized, and I'm willing to admit now that some of my rules are kind of arbitrary. Mm-hmm. It's more just so I have rules. Mm-hmm. Like I sometimes will say, you know, I'm just this, I, you can't do this just because I said so, just because I have to have some, so I have to put my foot down about something. Otherwise, right. why am I even here? So, <laughs> and I think that's okay too, to realize that sometimes the rules that we have are sort of, eh, maybe not absolutely necessary and that's okay. Right. And other people might have rules that we don't have that aren't absolutely necessary, but for whatever reason, you know, that was always their house rule when they were growing up or that's just where they've drawn a right. line in the sand and that is okay right. as well. Yep. So, no, I agree. I want to share a story really quick because I think that a lot of our listeners have kids that are kind of getting into this into the age that your kids mm-hmm. are maybe um, kind of getting into that six, seven, eight, yep. nine school age. Yep. I feel like we have a lot of listeners there. Yes. And um, this summer, we just kind of like Owen is nine, and Owen is also always kind of tagged along with his older brother. Mm-hmm. And you know, William is changing. He's he's going to middle school. He's really, he's a solid preteen now. He doesn't Mm -hmm. always want to play with his younger brother and his younger cousin and those little kids. Like, so I'm sort of letting him kind of do his own thing. But what Mm -hmm. that means is Owen's on his own more. Um, and so this year we, my brother and I, who lives about a mile, less than a mile away and another friend of ours who lives like, so we're like in the middle between this Mm -hmm. other friend and, um, Owen's cousin, Jack, Jack is 10. Owen is nine. And Carter, I think just turned nine. Owen's going on 10. Um, and we just kind of said, Hey guys, this summer, like, you know, open door policy. If your kid wants mm-hmm. to jump on his bike and ride over, that's cool. You know, if, mm-hmm. if the kids can't play, we'll just send them on their way. Maybe send a text when they're coming mm-hmm. just so we know to look out for them. And one day we all just be, happened to be hanging out in Car- Carter's parents' backyard and we wanted to send the kids on this errand and, oh, to my house. We wanted to send them to my house. And we was really, cause we weren't there, obviously we were there mm-hmm. at the other house, but we wanted to send them back to the house to pick something up. And so we're like, guys, just jump on your bikes and go find the house. And they left and we had this hilarious conversation. We're like, are they going to find it? I don't think they're going to find right. it. Like, do they know how to get there? I mean, we have this one main street in town. If they find that street, right. they can't miss it because we live right. on that street. Right. So we're all just kind of sitting around, you know, debating whether what, at what point are we going to get in the car and one of us go find these kids. Right, right. And the dad, Carter's dad gets a phone call and it's this neighbor, uh, not even a neighbor currently, like an old neighbor of theirs who yeah. now lives like a mile away and it's like yep um just let you know i just saw your boy uh, i pointed them in the right direction they're on their way home and they did eventually make it they were probably gone an hour and a half it should have taken 25 minutes <laughs> at the most but what i loved about it was a that there was somebody they could talk to there was like a touch point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the community 
Um, and if it hadn't been this guy, it would have been somebody else because we know enough different people. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. would have run into somebody. And that the kids asked for help. Yeah. And they didn't know how to get back. Although they tried to play it off like they didn't, but <laughs> we talked to the dad, so we know. Um, and that they were able to listen to the instructions and get back and that they weren't afraid. I just thought yeah. it all came together perfectly. And yeah. it wasn't really like, you know, all of my, it wasn't like this was something we sort of planned out ahead of time. It just happened in the moment and we just gave them the opportunity to do right. it. Right. Right. And they pulled it off. And right. it was like, was it a little uncomfortable for all of us at different times? You could see people right. kind of shifting around. Right. But we all kind of stuck it out. Mm-hmm. And in the end, they had each other. They had their little buddy system. Mm-hmm. And now they probably won't make that mistake again. Like they're mm-hmm. going to know now how to get from my house yeah. back to this other kid's house. So I just think that that's a great example of like, when is it the right age? Well, it depends. Are they alone or with, are they with other kids? Right. Are you in a place where you know people or, right. or did you just move to right. a town and you don't know anyone? Right. Do right. they have a cell phone? And if so, do right. they know how to call you? Like, do right. they know where to go if they get lost? There's all these questions we can ask ourselves in any situation. And if the factors all come together in the right way, don't worry about what somebody else would do. Worry about right. what you think your kids can handle. Right. And then and then I would just add to that and push yourself just to that edge of comfort right. zone. If you If your gut tells you they're ready and it just feels a little uncomfortable for you, experience that discomfort because those are the growing points for both for them and for us. I mean, I, I, we don't have time for the anecdotes, but I can think of like three or four different times in my, where I was given free range. I got lost one time walking home from school when we had just moved to a new house when I was like in third grade. I remember my mom let me and a friend take the bus to McDonald's like in this like town. Um, but, but navigating the public transportation, I think we were seven, I think we were 12 or 13 um, and then I was allowed to go on a road trip when I was 16, my, we were 16, 17 and 18, but we drove like 900 miles and we wow. only camped and we had no cell phones cause there were no cell phones. So those like, but each of those memories was like, I can't believe I'm allowed to do this. And, yes. um, that is like the sweet spot. I feel like for, for most capable, like semi-responsible you know, developmentally typical kids, that's the sweet spot. And of course we've talked about, if you live in a place that's, that's, you're not fortunate, not, you're not fortunate. You know what I mean? You're the, um, environment presents bigger problems. That's not what we're talking about. If your kids, you know, have special needs or there's some complicating factors, that's not what we're talking about. But if it just means pushing yourself and your kid to that point of being slightly uncomfortable, I think that's where the good stuff happens. I totally agree. Once again, you've given us a very poetic way to wrap up this episode. <laughs> to wrap <Sarah>. up. <laughs> well, we would so love to I feel like we could have people. done another one because, you know, we've shared a lot of fun stories and we've talked about a lot of different scenarios that we've found ourselves in as parents and as kids. And that's great and awesome. And I think, but I think that what it comes down to is like, I think a lot of times people still want that rule book, right? Like what mm-hmm. is the, what yeah. is the right age for this? And I guess what we're saying is there isn't one. Mm-hmm. There aren't really a set of rules, but if you just kind of pay attention to your kid and yourself and how you feel about stuff and your community and what's going on around you, and you're willing to make yourself a little uncomfortable and mm-hmm. also willing to maybe buck the trend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's important to buck trends that are going in the wrong direction um, because that's the only way other parents can find you Agreed. and 
And like, and also it's safer if all the kids are outside yeah. playing, it's safer than if one yes. is outside playing. So, well, and ask, yeah. I, I, like, I always ask you, cause you have kids older than mine, yeah. but if you have somebody you, you admire, you like whose kids are older, ask them, be like, how did that work? Like, when did you leave them home alone the first time? Or like, is yeah. your kid allowed to cross the street or is your, now it doesn't mean that you're going to do exactly what they do, but if you have somebody that you kind of feel like you're aligned with, just ask, you know, because it's yeah. easy. I look at people with older kids. Well, their kids are already doing all those things, but at one point they weren't, you know? So at yeah. one point, and they... I find that older parents of older kids are more likely to be honest because they're not as still wrapped up in the worries about judgment. And they've also seen that like nothing really bad happened. So it's right. okay. <laughs> right. right. They might, it, it, I think that sometimes there's a little bit of posturing that goes on with parents of younger kids, depending on, you know, what your social situation yeah, because is you're, like. Yeah. And because you're not quite sure. So, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't know, you feel like you don't know what you're doing, but yeah, right. if somebody's been through it, you know, ask. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really good, um, a really good point. All right. Well, I'm sure after this, like people probably now their minds are spinning because we just kind of bopped all over like a couple of ping pong balls for the last two episodes. And that's what we do. Uh, sorry about that. But part of our charm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you have questions, comments, if you have something kind of related to this that you think could be a spinoff for even another episode, because I think this topic is a big one with parenting. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could do a part three that's made up of people's questions or things we forgot to talk about, which I'm sure Um, are a lot. So Ask us a question, send it to hello at the mom hour or go to the momhour.com and just leave a comment. And we would be happy to, uh, we'd be happy to take that comment. Yeah. And, and everything we talked about today, the books that Megan, that you mentioned, I, there's a couple of, um, there's a really good article that I didn't even bring up because we didn't need to, but it's worth sharing about why kids engage in risky play and why it's good for them. It's fascinating mm-hmm. if you like, if you like psychology and social science and stuff. It's really cool. Um, so we'll link to a bunch of things that you can kind of peruse in the show notes. That's at the This is episode 13. And last episode was 12, of course. And those, this, those were the two parts of this series. All right. Well, we'll be back next week talking about something else, probably, unless, you know, we just decide to keep on going with rolling with this one. Yeah, uh, really. Tune back in, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Please do reach out to us. We love hearing from you. Thanks everybody. Have a great week. Bye. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. 
Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.